Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, and I have a special guest in the studio with me today, Josiah Magnuson, who just happens to be my representative in the South Carolina House. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. It's such a privilege to be with you. Well, Josiah, um, I was inviting you in today because I want us to talk about the heartbeat bill that was passed in Texas recently. Um, But first, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, and I want you to tell us a little bit about some of the pro-life legislation that was passed uh, in this past session in the South Carolina uh, legislature. So take it away. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, This is, like I said, a tremendous privilege to be here and uh, be not only here on the farm, but also uh, sharing this uh, beautiful desk here with you. And as you said, your uh, great ebony microphones uh, may not be the golden EIB mic, but uh, we, you know, to me, this is uh, much better anyway. But we we um, call it the uh, ebony JFM microphone. There you go. That's wonderful. And um, and it's it is wonderful to be able to. To, to represent yourself and so many good people here in District 38. And um, in District 38 in the, the State House goes from Landrum um, down to Holly Springs, and then uh, the other direction it goes across the top of Spartanburg County, uh, Campobello, Lake Bowen area, the northern part of Inman, and all the way out Highway 11 to Chesney. So it's a, a beautiful, beautiful area. I often refer to it uh, as the cherry on top of South Carolina because it's just uh, so... So beautiful, not only in scenery but also the people. Um, it's a it's wonderful that uh, to have the opportunity to represent and this area. It's a great place to live. I've loved loved living up here for the last twenty six years. Yes, sir. And I was elected in twenty sixteen. Um, probably part of the the Trump wave. You know, my my goal is to to be a representative of we the people. You know, and to try to drain the swamp and and um, just you know provide that reform that I think a lot of people are looking for. Um, but I think in order to do that, there's so much, so many more deeper issues that it that goes into, you know, as far as family values and, uh, and liberty, the, the, the foundation of our country um, needs to be restored. And so all of that is part of the, you know, part of the picture in my, in my mind. I hear you. I hear you. And I appreciate you coming to speak recently at our Constitution class. We taught a class at my home on the Constitution and Josiah came and spoke one night, we had about 30 people here, and uh, he spoke very eloquently about the Constitution the, the night that he came to, to share with us, and he uh, was very uh, well-informed on the Constitution, and he answered questions that particular night, and my guests were delighted to have you, by the way, that Thank night. You. So anyway, talk to us a little bit about the legislation that was passed this last year. So in South Carolina, we have have really had some successes, I feel like, in the State House in the last year or so. Um, we've been building a conservative team, mm-hmm. and, um, and we really are, are starting to see that, that ball rolling, and, uh, and you know, we're gaining momentum. Um, we're seeing things like, like open carry. We're seeing things like uh, restoring constitutional education in our colleges. Um, but, of course, the, the big uh, centerpiece that, that we were so glad that we were able to get enacted into law was this heartbeat bill that you've mentioned. 
And the heartbeat bill, um, of course, it says if a heartbeat is detected, the life is protected. And it says that, um, you know, we're not allowed in South Carolina to kill the unborn child if if you can detect that beating heart. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a very, um, it's a common sense piece of legislation for sure. And um, I think we all agree, and I know you and me in particular agree, that we need to go further than that. Um, but this was a, a victory uh, from the, the sense of not only the law, but also messaging that I think it's a very easy easy idea to understand that that yeah. a child in the womb has a heartbeat and therefore at, at the very minimum that child with that beating heart uh, deserves be to, to stay alive. That's right. Should be protected. Now that bill was immediately there was an injunction against that bill. Is that what I'm understanding? That's right. So we saw um, Michelle Childs in Columbia who's a you know Obama appointee. She is flaming liberal and um, you know she was also the one who uh, Put an injunction against our uh, constitutional amendment against marriage mm-hmm. that um, I think almost eighty percent of um, the people of South Carolina voted Supported. for, yeah. right? But um, you know, but yes, so she she did. She put an injunction against that, and then it went to the fourth district, uh, was appealed, and um, and that's where it now sits. So unfortunately, the injunction is against the entirety of of the law. Um, the hope was that at least the sort of informed consent part. Um, of for ultrasounds and that sort of thing would would stay intact, but unfortunately, um, all of the all of the law was enjoined from being enforced, and um, you know there's no real legal reason for that to happen. Um, it just was was you know just again, a judge's the injunction win. was worded. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the Texas bill that was passed. It was a similar heartbeat bill. What's the yes. difference between their bill and South Carolina's bill? So it, it goes um, into a couple of things. They are very similar, but the main difference has to do with the way it would be enforced. So in South Carolina, um, it, it just makes it basically like a crime to kill an unborn child if the heartbeat is detected. The, the heartbeat has to be, there has to be some effort made using ultrasound to see that heartbeat. And then if that heartbeat is detected, then you're legally not permitted to commit the abortion. Uh, in Texas, the difference would be that the private citizens could sue. So there's really no uh, sort of mechanism for the um, the sheriff or the you know city law enforcement or anybody to go and arrest uh, an abortionist or that sort of thing. It has to do with the private citizen. If they had evidence of an abortion being committed after a heartbeat was detectable, then they could uh, file a lawsuit and then recover Ten thousand dollars in damages. So it's all yes, in the civil from court. that abortionist. It, yes, it sir. takes place in the civil court. That, that's right. Not a criminal court. Mm-hmm. Well, now, how would a private citizen obtain that kind of information? So that's one of the questions that um, I think is is important here because even though this is a victory, which is the biggest um, victory, you know, in a in a sense for the pro life movement since Roe v. Wade for a law of this nature to go into effect um, that's this strong and comes this close to ending abortion in Texas, we also have uh, you know, reports coming back in that, that there really hasn't been a big slowing uh, of abortions in Texas. Um, and I think that, that goes to that, that point that there's really no good way mm-hmm. of finding that evidence of whether uh, an abortionist is committing a heart, uh, uh, an abortion 
before or after a heartbeat's detectable. Right. Well, see, I was pondering that myself. I read through the whole bill, and I began to look at it, and I said, well, how does a private citizen discern? How do they determine? How do they collect evidence that an an abortion doctor has breached the law? Mm -hmm. And so it, it seems to me to be problematic. It does seem like that. And so I think the victory there is is in a sort of a moral sense or a legal sense, but we're, we're not sure, at how least I'm not sure yet, how practical the victory yeah. has been. Well, now, the bill, um, the law has been appealed to a circuit court. So, yes, sir, it, it went up to the fifth circuit court. Our, our court here would be the fourth circuit mm-hmm. uh, in Richmond. And then um, in Texas, it's the Fifth Circuit. I'm not sure where they're based, but they, um, the, the Fifth Circuit, did a law uh, did allow the law to go into effect, um, and then that was appealed to the Supreme Court. And so what happens is the Supreme Court can choose whether or not to take the case, mm-hmm. um, and that is called the writ of certiorari. If I'm saying that right, it's a Latin word. Yeah. But um, but they have that decision-making power. They don't have to take a case if they don't want to. And so that's what they did in this situation was they they decided not to take the case, thereby allowing the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals decision to stand, and the law went into effect based on that. I see. So now it's just a waiting game to see if some pro-life person, private citizen, is able to actually take advantage of the law. Right. So, so then if that was to happen... Um, the law would still have to be defended on its merits. And the Supreme Court actually specifically said this, that they were not ruling on the constitutionality of the law. It was just on whether or not to rule on the emergency injunction, whether there could be an emergency injunction put in place. I see. I see. Well, now, what about, what did the Supreme Court do that made the leftists so angry? The fact that they just refused to hear it? Yes, yeah, so it was kind of ironically the the lack of action to allow such a strong law to go into place because again this is it, it really is a victory in the sense that this is the this is the strongest anti-abortion law that's gone into effect in a state since Roe v. Wade. It's the closest thing we've gotten to actually mm-hmm. ending abortion, and I think what's happened is. Sometimes the pro-life movement has made, in my, in my assessment, the mistake of not saying that abortion is, mor- is murder, not saying that we want to end abortion. And I think that what has happened with this law is that it's been clarified. The left is seen that that is the goal, and the, the folks who have pushed the Texas heartbeat bill have, have been clear that the goal is to, to end abortion. And the fact that the Supreme Court has let that stand oh, yeah. is is what I think has really brought the whole issue into focus for the left, that, that there is some serious assault mm-hmm. coming on the assumptions that they thought they had. I understand. So, so the bill is plainly not an incremental approach to ending abortion right. or minimizing abortion. It's a, a wholesale assault on the abortion industry in Texas. That's how I see it. And the Supreme Court allowed that to stand. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, that's that's amazing. That is an amazing thing. Well, now, is there really a difference between a moral victory and a practical victory? 
So I, I think that there is. I mean, I think that when we talk about is this a moral victory, even if it's not a practical victory, and, and, and the practical side of it, I think, remains to be seen. We'll see in the, in the days and weeks ahead. Um, you know, this is only about a week or two old yeah. um, at this point. And so as we're recording, but as we see the, the practical implications, we'll know better how much abortion is reduced, if at all. Um, of course, there's still the opportunity, even if this is fully enforced, even if we find that the bill is effective, um, one thing it doesn't do is um, hit like chemical abortions. So you can still yeah. you know, order pills by mail, that sort of thing. So, so the practical aspects may not be as strong as some people would like them to be, but I think the moral victory is, the, is in the sense that you want the law to reflect justice as much as possible. And so that's how I see it as being a victory is that um, is that it promotes the idea of justice, which goes back ultimately to to scripture yes. and, and God's word that says, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. That's where we get the whole idea of justice. Many people today, I think, in our in our culture don't understand what justice means because they don't come from that biblical foundation. Yeah. But um, when we have bills like this that put in place a greater degree of justice than was there before, um, I think that we do achieve a moral victory um, yeah. in in terms of doing what's right and and yes. trying to to move our country as a whole back to those biblical foundations. And see, every time we pass a bill like this, we're, we're educating our legislators, we're educating our people, and, and we're teaching people about justice. And we're teaching people what it means for our society to be just. And I think for so long, we have departed from the whole idea of biblical justice. And our people have become acclimated. Our culture has become acclimated to injustice and acclimated to the wholesale murder of innocent unborn children to the point that we are jaded, cynical, and accustomed to abortion the wholesale slaughter of innocent unborn children. And the whole concept of biblical justice is alien to our culture. It's alien to our legislators. And when we can pass bills like this, it makes our people, our culture, our legislators sit up and take notice and to think and understand what justice is all about. And I guess it is an incremental approach to teaching people what justice really is. And, you know, it's a sad thing that we have to do that, but it's the process. Mm-hmm. There is a process. That's sobering, but it, isn't that what education is? And that's yes, how the is. Lord works with us is, is line upon line and, and precept, precept upon precept. Upon precept so you know, and we're not, we're not born into the world knowing and understanding justice. And when we're born again into the kingdom of God, we still have to learn what God's concept of justice is all about. That's true. You know, and I I talk to lots of Christian people who still don't understand the abortion issue or the sanctity of human life of the unborn child. I've, I've had, in fact, I had a legislator read my book, The Truth About Life. Um, And after he read it, he looked at me and he said, Robert, I thought I was pro-life until I read your book. And he said, now, after reading your book, I really am pro-life. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you see, there was so an good. educational process. Yes. He, he had to move along that continuum. 
And, and what he was saying to me is that he wasn't fully committed to the life of the unborn for the hard cases, rape, yeah. incest, and handicapped children. He was willing to sacrifice them on the altar for women who faced those, quote, hard cases. And he would allow those children to die. But after reading my book and understanding the biblical concept of the sanctity of human life and biblical justice, he went further along that continuum and he became more pro-life, if you can put it that way. That's wonderful. Well, and, and you see, all of us have that pro-life journey mm-hmm. to undertake. And when we pass a bill like the one in Texas, it helps to educate our entire culture about what biblical justice really means, what the sanctity of human life really means. And lots of even Christian people have to move along that continuum and that make that pro-life journey. Well, now, I know we've mentioned this, but are there any other real differences between the Texas heartbeat bill and the South Carolina heartbeat bill? More than what we've already discussed. So the only other important one that I can think of other than the uh, the difference in sort of enforcement of um, it's not government action, it's, it's private, a private, citizen. private citizen making a, a suit. The, the other part of it that we have, and I, and I don't know off the top of my head if, um, if the Texas bill has this, and, and uh, if you've studied it out, you may know better than me, but, um, but I know the South Carolina one has a, a whole extra section that deals with the informed consent and requiring the, the ultrasound mm-hmm. uh, to try to detect the heartbeat and, and make sure that the mother of the child listens to that heartbeat before making a decision on the abortion. Um, and in this case, if, if there is a heartbeat, then she would not be permitted to continue, but um, under the South Carolina heartbeat bill. So the Texas bill requires that. It does require that. Okay, yeah, well, they then actually that's have a difference. form yeah. they have to sign and the mother can waive listening to the heartbeat, but the doctor has to provide that option for her. Well, so that's I, good. That's that's the same then as what we have in, in South mm-hmm. Carolina. So that is that is my understanding then is it's really the, the same bill. It's just a difference in kind of how they went about it. And the um, and that was the main reason why the Supreme Court chose not to provide that emergency injunctive relief because mm-hmm. it's not technically government action that's being, uh, you know, at issue. I got you. Well, now, do you think that will pose a problem for the South Carolina bill that it doesn't, that it's a government action rather than a private citizen action. It could, but the way these things are argued, it's it's more likely in my mind that it would um it, it could be better because what you might end up having having is a heartbeat bill that is ruled to to not stand that the fourth district rules it against it and then a heartbeat bill that is ruled to be allowed to go into effect with the Fifth Circuit, and so that creates a contradiction that the Supreme Court's more likely to um, to take up. So it may actually work to our to our benefit, mm-hmm. um, given that that these are both heartbeat bills, just with certain technical differences. Hi, this is Bob of Bob Sloan Audio Productions. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast yourself? Do you have a desire to communicate an idea, opinion, or even a hobby or interest you'd like to share with the world? And do you have the communication skill and dedication? If so, let's talk. 
Send an email and a short description of your idea to bob at bobsloan.com. That's bob at b-o-b-s-l-o-n-e dot com. Now let's get back to the podcast. I have as my guest Josiah Magnuson, and I have another question here. Uh, Josiah, what pro-life legislation is being contemplated for the future in in South Carolina? I understand there's a, a couple of other bills, and we have about uh, six, maybe seven more minutes. Let's kind of talk about those. Well, thank you, Dr. Jackson. And um, I definitely, again, appreciate the privilege of, of being on your podcast with you and uh, and just um, discussing this such an important issue of the life of unborn children, um, the human rights crisis of our time. And, um, you know, this is one of the, the main reasons why I chose to run in the first place uh, is because the my predecessor did not, in my mind, believe uh, in the the personhood of the unborn child and was not willing to defend that and, and told me so, uh, that he was not willing to, to stand up for that in the state house. So personhood is is my kind of big issue. You know, it, this is what I'm the, the primary sponsor of in the state house right now. And personhood simply says it, it's not the heartbeat bill. It doesn't say the heartbeat, you know, is the beginning of of, of when we protect the life, mm-hmm. we go back to conception. And that's what we, uh, you know, in the pro-life movement typically will say that we believe is that life begins at conception. But this would actually enact that into law. Personhood, it, it uses the word person, which is important, yes. from the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. It talks about how no person may be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So unborn child is being deprived of life without due process of law, if you allow an abortion to occur uh, legally. So if you use that word person and you define it and, and recognize it at conception, which is which is when life truly begins, um, then you automatically are protecting uh, the unborn child. And, you know, let's think about this. The, the, the moment of conception is the right place to protect life the the heartbeat you know some people will say well if somebody somebody is alive if their heart is beating well somebody could be in cardiac arrest mm-hmm. you know and their their heart is not beating and therefore we still do everything but we, we still can would to do resuscitate all, them. you know as a doctor that's right. that that's exactly that's right exactly right so um so i i certainly don't believe that the heartbeat in you know going forward should be the standard for for when life uh, is protected. That's right. When we do cardiac bypass surgery, they actually stop the patient's heart for 30 minutes to an hour, and that patient's still alive. Their heartbeat has stopped. That's fascinating. They, they bypass that, that patient's heart. Wow. They put them in, in cold storage, practically, pack them in ice, and their heartbeat is stopped while they uh, put them on a bypass machine. That's fascinating. How about that? Is that patient dead or alive? That patient is still alive. Still alive, exactly right. So, and, and I think though, what we go back to is that the um, the the DNA at the moment of of conception is all there mm-hmm. for for the unborn child. For you know that DNA. I like to to talk about this that that a DNA signature has never existed in history in in any other human being, and right. it never will again. Right. That person is a unique individual created right. by God. With a purpose, and and he and she he or she is made in the image of God and, and does not need to 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 be killed 
uh, by the forces of the state, um, it, this is this is to me such a serious matter. You know right. that that we that we should in our law, like we s- said a minute ago about justice, we should defend the justice um, and 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 protect the, the right to life for every unborn child, um, not discriminate right. on the basis of age or size or dependent status or whatever other characteristic we want to throw in there. You see, it's a tyranny. It's a tyranny when the state arrogates to itself to decide who's going to live and who's going to die. Now, when people commit crimes that are deserving of the penalty of death, then that's the prerogative of the state. When people violate the law that deserves the penalty of death. But apart from that, if the state arrogates to itself the right to say that some people will live and some will die, that's a tyranny. And our legislature in this state and every other state has decided that unborn children who live in the mother's womb have no right to life. And that is a legislative tyranny. That is a judicial tyranny. And that needs to come to an end mm-hmm. in America. And it's we the people mm-hmm. who are going to have to take the matter into our own hands and say, listen, it's time for that to end. Well, Josiah, we've only got about a minute and a half or two minutes. There's one other bill out there, Unborn Victims of Violence Act. Just give us a brief overview in that minute and a half. We don't have much time. Sure. So uh, there's a lot more to that bill than we can cover uh, yeah. probably in an hour. We'll have to come back another day. <laughs> yes, sir. But, um, but that one is um, sponsored by Representative Jonathan Hill, and, um, and he is uh, the the, the more conservative than what I am, the American Conservative Union has ranked us. I'm the third most. He's the most conservative in the state uh-huh. house. So, um, but his view is that we really shouldn't have this in the courts at all. Um, we need to just, as a state, say we're going to ban abortion and not even allow it to be addressed in the federal courts. Um, I have a lot of sympathies for that. I think there's a lot of complexities that need to be probably worked out. But, um, but I think we probably in the future will have to move toward um, a state sovereignty position on this issue. Uh, I don't know what the Supreme Court will do ultimately on these heartbeat bills. Um, there's also a Mississippi bill banning abortion that may come up in December, um, but we'll keep seeing you know, where, where we end up because I do agree that ultimately South Carolina as a state um, has the responsibility to enact justice for all of its citizens born and pre-born. I got you. Well, Josiah, I thank you for being my guest. I want to thank you for being such a pro-life legislator. I thank you for leading the pro-life cause in the South Carolina legislature. And I want you to know that it's because of your strong pro-life stand that my family and, and most of the folks in our district have so strongly supported you for the last two terms. And we'll continue to support you. Thank you. We That's appreciate an you. And I want you to know we pray that God will bless you and continue to allow you to be our representative. Thank you, sir. You've been listening to More Than Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. My guest today has been Representative Josiah Magnuson. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information on how to contact the Jackson family, to schedule a speaking engagement, or how to obtain Dr. Jackson's books, go to jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast was produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.